Welcome to the legacy teachings of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Church since 1979. Though these teachings are decades old, we invite you to get out your Bible, take notes, and get ready to receive the uncompromised teaching of God's Word. For more information about Christian Assembly Church, please visit us online at cafamily.net. Gospel of Matthew, chapter 5. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. The pure in heart shall see God. I have a word. Almost Psalm. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the life that's in your word. Thank you for receptive hearts, attentive ears, and open minds. We will receive revelation knowledge. You will enlarge our capacity to receive. All things that pertain unto life and godliness belong unto us. And through your word, dear Father God, we intend to enjoy our inheritance. Thank you, dear Father God, for boldness to proclaim the truth and demonstration of your spirit and the power, that our faith would rest not in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Blessed are the pure in heart. They shall see God. They shall see Him move in their lives. They shall see Him as Al Shaddai, the God who is more than enough. They will see Him as the great I Am, the pure in heart. They shall see Him as Jehovah Jireh, the Lord their provider. They will see him as Jehovah Sidkenu, the Lord their righteousness. The pure in heart will see God as Jehovah Ruah, the Lord their shepherd. The pure in heart will see God. Jesus did not lie. You see, that's why he said, beloved, that you're blessed if your heart is pure. There are two things that will lead us into all the promises and benefits of God. Number one, faith. Number two, purity of heart. Two things that will lead us into all the promises and the benefits of God. Number one, faith. Number two, purity of heart. You see, the heart is the mainspring of faith. And when your heart is pure before God, faith is at its highest level. If your heart is not right toward God, then faith, your faith level will be low. Fellowship with the Father, being in His presence, communicating with Him, sharing your very life, your love with Him will cause faith to rise within your heart. You see, fellowship... 
talking together, walking together, communicating together with Him causes your faith, your confidence to be strong and steadfast in Him. It's like two individuals growing together in love, developing a, a deep affection within their hearts with one another. They finally get married, join themselves together as one, total faith, total confidence in each other. No impure thoughts will not allow anything to come between them that's impure. Such strong faith they have because of their love for one another. They love each other so much. But you see, beloved, faith is a tender plant. You break that fellowship. You do something to violate that love relationship, that deep affection that you have with that individual person. You be an infidel. It means you're unfaithful. One who cannot be trusted. One in whom there is no confidence. You can have no confidence in that person. Oh, there's something I, I believe the Spirit of God wants to, to reveal to us about integrity in our own lives. Integrity. in our own lives. Being a person of your word. You made a vow to that woman. You made a vow to that man. You said you would not violate. He or she has your word for it. I'll be honest with you. The paper doesn't mean a whole lot. It's your integrity. Oh, I believe we live in a day and an age that we need to say, not only do I love you, but I commit myself to you. And I vow my life to you. See, beloved, that love relationship, that deep affection is the basis of faith. You're so much in love, you would never do anything impure to jeopardize that relationship. And she can trust you and you can trust her. Faith. It doesn't matter if you had to go halfway across the world on a business trip. And maybe she had to go in the other direction. No matter how far apart you may be, you have absolute faith and confidence and trust in one another. Because your love is so deep for one another. Blessed are the pure in heart. You're married to Jesus. Married to another, even Christ, who is our Lord. You love Him so much, you shrink back from anything that would defile, anything that would be impure. He has confidence in you. He can lead you by His Spirit. He can have you do things that others would not do because He cannot trust them. They said they would, but they didn't do it. Do you see what happens? I once heard one individual say, you better listen to the Holy Ghost. Because if you cease to obey and do what He tells you to do, there will come a day He won't be telling you to do a whole lot. Spiritual things will be indistinct. He can't trust you. He told you to do this and you said you would, but you didn't do it. And because you didn't do it, do you know what happened? Somebody died and slipped off into eternity without Jesus. Do you know that that's what we're involved in? Do you know that? See, He wants us to be so in love with Him. Set your love upon me, He says. So that all you're concerned about is pleasing Him. When a man's ways please the Lord, even his enemies will be at peace with Him. Be pleasing unto God in such a way that you're always there listening for the voice of the Spirit 
ready to be obedient, not only willing, but to be obedient to do what He would have you to do. He sees He can trust you. You're developing in your relationship of love. There's a deep affection between the both of you. You get to a place that He can trust you so much with His Word and with His Spirit. He says, I have a job for you to do. And you say, I'll do it. And He knows you will. So He whispers it to your heart. And you respond in love. The faith is there. The answer comes. Two things that will lead us into all the promises of God, all the benefits of God. Faith. You have to have faith. Jesus said, have faith in God or have the God kind of faith. You remove the mountains. Speak to that mountain. Faith is a condition of the heart that finds its expression through the mouth. Jesus said in Mark eleven twenty three, speak to those mountains, they'll, rem they'll remove. But don't doubt in your heart. Purity of heart, that's what he's saying. Did you know that unbelief is an impurity in the heart of a child of God? Unbelief. Having an evil heart of unbelief, he said, kept you out of the promises of God. He said about Caleb, he had another spirit within him. His heart was different. Caleb himself said, I brought back word as it was in mine heart. Oh, there's something about tenacious faith. God will move over a million to get to that one with faith. Faith that springs out of a heart of love. Faith that is energized by love. Another heart. Some things to note. If the two things that will lead us into all the promises of God are faith and a pure heart, two things that will keep us out of the promises of God are fear and a defiled heart, an impure heart. If faith and a pure heart will get us in, fear and defilement of heart will keep us out. And that's why he said they had an evil heart of unbelief. Beloved, we look at sin, we view sin differently than God does. God doesn't see sin as smoking, drinking, and, and such. That's a part of it. But the reason why that person is doing that is because they're not developing a deep affection. Is this wrong? Is that wrong? That's not the issue. Do you love Him? That's the issue. See, we wouldn't have to preach sermons like that. Do you love Him? This one fellow who could not break the habit... Matter of fact, he said he didn't feel he had to. Preacher said to him, every cigarette you light up, you light it up in the name of Jesus and say, I do this unto the glory of God. The Bible says, all that you do, do unto the glory of God. So he began to do it. You know, he couldn't light up another one. He said, I do this to glorify God. And wanted to light up that cigarette and couldn't do it. That's the issue. Do you love God? One writer said, where are those who would strive against sin in such a way that they'd rather jump into hell than sin against their God? Think about it. So in love with Him. That rather than sin against your God, 
He'd rather be accursed. Oh yes, there were some great men, beloved, of faith and love who loved Him so much they would shrink back from anything that would defile their heart. That would produce an impurity in their heart so that their heart could be so pure before God and so full of faith that they would see God. That's why Jesus said, Believe only and you'll see the glory of God. See, we've taken that Scripture, beloved, and we, so many have referred to the future. We're going to see God someday. Beloved, He's not talking about someday in the sweet by and by. As a matter of fact, we're going to look at some Scriptures. I'm going to show you. He's talking about in your life right now. As a matter of fact, a pure heart is a purged heart. A purged heart is a clean heart or a cleansed heart. A purged heart is a filled heart. And according to Scripture, we have access to all three. A purged heart, a cleansed heart, and a pure heart is a filled heart. Filled with the Holy Ghost and power. Filled with the Holy Ghost and fire. As a matter of fact, go on back with me to Malachi chapter, just a few pages back, chapter 3. Blessed are the pure in heart, they will see God move in their lives. Fear and unbelief are a condition of the heart. As a matter of fact, if we can believe that a doctor can diagnose the human heart and say, you have heart trouble, I believe a spiritual doctor also can diagnose the heart, the spiritual heart of a Christian and say, you have heart trouble. You know, it's not an easy thing for a person to admit. I have heart trouble. But I guarantee you, once you admit it, you'll do something to correct it. We shouldn't be satisfied just to sit back and say, well, I didn't believe God for this one. Well, we'll wait till the next one. Don't be satisfied living that way. Be like this. Whatever it was that prevented me from entering into that blessing that the Father has provided for me, I want to correct that impurity that's in my heart. I want to change whatever it is in my innermost being that has separated me and the provision that God has provided for me because of His great love for me. See, that's the attitude we need to have as children of God. And we need to maintain that attitude so that we can grow and develop. Notice here in chapter 3, Behold, verse 1, I will send my messenger, he shall prepare the way before me, and the Lord whom ye seek shall suddenly come to his temple, even the messenger of the covenant, whom ye delight in. Behold, the Lord shall come, saith the Lord of hosts. He shall come, saith the Lord of hosts. But who may abide the day of his coming? Who shall stand when he appeareth? For he is like a refiner's fire, and like fuller's soap. He shall sit as a refiner and purifier of silver. He shall purify the sons of Levi, and purge them as gold and silver, that they may offer unto the Lord an offering in righteousness. Go to Matthew chapter 3. Verse 1. 
Verse 9, And think not to say within yourselves, We have Abraham to our father, for I say unto you that God is able of these stones to raise up children unto Abraham. And now also the axe is laid unto the root of the trees, not the fruit, but the root of the tree, which is the innermost being, the inner man, the inward man, the hidden man of the heart. Therefore, every tree which bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. I indeed baptized you with water under repentance, but he that cometh after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I am not worthy to bear. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and fire, whose fan is in his hand. He will truly purge his floor and gather his wheat into the garner. He will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire." Notice it's all He will, He will, He will, He will. But now look at Hebrews chapter 1. Hebrews chapter 1. Verse 1. God who at sundry times and diverse manners spake in times past unto the fathers by the prophets hath in these last days spoken unto us by His Son, whom He hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also He made the worlds, who being the brightness of His glory, expressed image of His person, and upholding all things by the word of His power, when He had sat down, when He had by Himself purged our sins, sat down. Notice, He will purge. He will purge. Now, all of a sudden, He purged. See, beloved, to purify means to clear from all defilement, to make clean, to purge, to purify. Any undesirable element to burn out, to get rid of. In the Greek, the Greek word H-A-G-N-O-S means to pure from every guilt. Now listen to this one. To pure from carnality. To make pure from carnality or from the flesh dominating the spirit. To purify. The flesh from dominating the spirit. It's translated chaste, clear, holy, Pure. In other words, to purge. Now notice, he said he will purge. He will purify, to refine, to make pure. See, beloved, that was the process back then. That's the, that's the, the language they understood. Beloved, you and I, we've not been redeemed with corruptible things like a silver and gold. Jesus would not be seated at the right hand of the Father and would not sit down until He saw to it that He purged our sins. A purified heart then is a pure heart that's been made pure by the purging of the blood of Jesus. You can't do it by doing good works. I can't do it by adhering to do's and don'ts in my life. But by faith I acknowledge that the blood of Jesus has Purged me of all sins. If any man be in Christ, he is a new person, a purged person, a purified person, a made holy person, free from defilement, clear from any element that would be undesirable within the heart, the spirit of that person. 
A heart that is pure is a heart that is purged by the blood of Jesus, purged from all sin. And as I said, you can't do that for yourself. So number one, the pure in heart will see God. See, if we had the revelation of that, you'd shout by this. The thing you'd say is, how can my heart be pure then? Well, there it is. He purged your sins. After He purged our sins, He sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. In other words, the work is done. Everyone say with me, I have a purged heart. Purged from all sins. By the blood of Jesus. By His eternal sacrifice. I stand pure. Holy, clean before my Father by the blood of Jesus. See, that's the process of the new birth. That's the new creation. Notice over there in, J- in James, now I want to show you something else. Here. Look at James chapter 4. People were trying to live by faith without a purged heart. I should say it this way, without a cleansed heart. They were purged from their sins by the blood of Jesus and they come into the fold and they had access to all that the Father had as far as provisions were concerned. But here we see in chapter 4, verse 1, From whence come wars and fightings among you? Come they not hence even of your own lust that war in your members? You lust and have not, you kill and desire to have and cannot obtain. You fight and war you have not because you ask not. You ask and receive not because you ask amiss that you may consume it upon your lusts. Ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God? Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. Someone who is a friend of the world. These individuals, they were believers, they were purged. But even though they were purged, they were born again, they had life in their spirit, they allowed defilement to enter in. And we'll find that out by reading on. The whole book of 1 John is talking about fellowship. Maintaining fellowship in the life of the believer so that in that fellowship you can develop a deep affection and love for the Lord. And in 1 John, you read chapter 2, he talks about being, not being a friend with the world not desiring the things of the world, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. All these things would defile and hinder in our relationship and our fellowship with Him. Now notice over here, He's talking about the same thing. He's, he's saying, you've gotten involved, your attitude of heart, your heart motive is wrong. The thing that you desire to have, you do not have. You ask, but you ask amiss with an improper motive or with an impure heart, an impure motive in your heart. The reason why you want to receive that is to show that person over there how much faith you have or what you can do in God. It's a wrong motive that you have in your heart. The reason why you want to do this and the reason why you want to do that is for a wrong motive. You have an impure motive inside your heart. That's what he's saying. You have, you're consuming these things upon your own lusts. It's not wrong to have things, but it's wrong for things to have you, for your desires to be unhealthy, uncontrolled desires that you have inside. He said that results in an impure heart. And if you even ask, you know how faith works, works and you ask and you receive not because you're asking with an improper motive. He's saying you are committing spiritual adultery. Adulterers, adulteresses. Beloved, I don't believe we understand the, the depth of what he's saying there. Can you imagine if, if your mate was unfaithful to you 
and committed adultery? How would that grieve you at, at heart? Would you not have to, once again, gain trust and integrity in that person's life once you forgave that person? You absolutely would. See, our relationship and fellowship with Him is the same way. Whenever we get caught up in wrong motives and, and wrong attitudes and, and unhealthy, uncontrolled desires, whenever we turn to another frame of reference for help by being double-minded, He says, that's impurity. It's like committing adultery. It's like as though I'm not good enough for you. You can't turn to me with a pure heart, with the right heart, knowing that I can provide all that you need in your life. You have to turn to someone else. And he says in the next verse, Do you think the Scripture saith in vain, the spirit that dwelleth in us lusteth to envy? He's envious of us and over us. He loves us so much with an intense love. It's beyond our, our human reasoning, our ability to reason in our mind. It's beyond all that. It's a depth of love that we, can, we cannot comprehend except by revelation of the Spirit and through the Scriptures that God is rich in mercy for us and such awesome love for us that while we were sinners, Christ loved us so much that He died for us so that we in turn would respond to His love and then receive Him as Savior and Lord and then in turn set our love back upon Him, walking with Him and, and living our lives for Him, being married unto Him, developing a deep relationship with Him a deep affection with Him in our individual lives so that He could have confidence in us in what we're going to do and we could have confidence in Him. And First John talks all about that. We, well, let's, let's, let's look at this next part first. But He giveth more grace, wherefore He saith, God resist the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Pride is an impurity of the heart. To purify means to cleanse, to purge out. Anything that defiles any undesirable element in the sight of God. And he says, pride is one of them. Look at the next verse. Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil, he'll flee from you. Draw nigh to God. Look at verse 8. He will draw nigh to you. That's how you do in a relationship of marriage. You draw to that person. Draw nigh. Draw near. He'll draw near to you. Notice what he says now. Cleanse your hands. Ye sinners, purify your hearts, ye double-minded. Double-mindedness, loud impurities, allowed impurities to enter into the heart. But you see, we just consider it, well, I just didn't believe, right? Or that's doubt and unbelief and just go on with it. But beloved, wait a minute. God doesn't view it that way. He views it entirely different. He sees that just as we would see someone being as being unfaithful. Not developing that deep affection. See, when we don't believe Him, it's like you're saying to your husband, I don't trust you. When we don't trust Him, it's like saying to your wife, I don't trust you. Well, isn't my love and affection strong enough? I mean, haven't I proved myself to you that I'll be faithful to you? And you're going to turn around and say, well, no. I don't know that I can really trust you. See, we view it so differently, beloved, but He doesn't. He says, I want you to trust Me. I want you to have a pure heart. I want us to develop this deep affection so that you know because of the love that we have, the intimacy that we have, you can trust Me. I will be there by your side. I will be with you, in you, for you. I will manifest Myself in your life at all times because of this development of love, because of this deep affection that we have. 
See, that's why Paul said in Galatians 5, 6, faith worketh by love. It's energized by love. It's the energizing force of love, of faith rather. Love is. Faith is the offspring. Love is the mother of faith. I don't think about when my wife goes out shopping to the store that she's going to be unfaithful to me. Faith in her is unconscious. I know she will be. She doesn't have to think about me doing that because she knows I will be faithful. I'm a person of my word. She knows I made a vow. She knows I will not violate that. She knows she can trust me. I know I can trust her so we can act out in faith. See, faith then becomes an unconscious thing. So many times we struggle for faith, but if we would just walk in love and develop in love, faith would be there. I know my Father will do it for me because He loves me. Do you see that? That's how it works back and forth. Purify your heart, ye double-minded. Cleanse your hands. Purify your hearts. Get rid of anything that would defile. Anything. He's talking about doubt and unbelief also. He's also talking about wrong motives. He's also talking about pride. He says, humble yourselves. He's also talking about in verse 11, you're speaking evil of one another. You know, people that do that do not realize the effect it has in the heart, which is the mainspring of faith. I try to say all the time, if you're not going to walk in love and maintain fellowship with one another, which is what First John is all about, whether you realize it or not, beloved, it affects the heart, which is the mainspring of faith. Trying to believe God. He said, with one breath, you bless God. With another breath, you curse men. It shouldn't come out of the same source, the same fountain. And we don't realize that when we do things like that, when we're speaking out like that, it has a deep effect. It grieves the Spirit of God. Let no filthy communication... Corrupt communication proceed forth out of your mouth, but that which is good that edifying, that it may minister grace to the hearer and grieve not the... See, we don't realize what happens when the Spirit of God is grieved. It affects our inner man because He's in us. Our faith life is affected. We are jeopardizing that, that intimacy that we should be having with Him on the inside in our hearts. See, we don't want to do that. Now, if you're not concerned about walking in faith and having the power of God and being delivered and staying free, see, then you can ignore that and say, well, I'll talk about who I want to talk about, when I want to, how I want to, whatever. But you see, if you're concerned about walking in the power of God, in the life of God, if you're concerned about having that manifest power in your own life, it all depends upon you and how you react. It depends upon me and how I react. Yes, I could go ahead and, and, and hold out my heart against someone. But Jesus said in Mark eleven twenty five and 6, if you don't forgive, your Father won't forgive you. See, and so many don't recognize what that does to them on the inside. You can't see your inner man. But on the inside, it does devastating things. There are diseases, beloved, that will destroy your life of faith. Pride, selfishness, wrong attitudes and motives of heart, all them will affect your ability to believe because you're going to be in weakness of spirit. You're purged by the blood of Jesus. Cleanse your hands. Purify your hearts. Go to 1 John with me. I want to show you the... Number two, to have a pure heart is to have a cleansed heart. 1 John, chapter 1. This entire epistle was written for fellowship. 
It'll help you when you read it, when it'll help you when you understand it. He's talking about one thing, fellowship. Things that will get us out of fellowship, things that will keep us in fellowship with the Father and with the brethren. Things that will keep us walking in the light and walking in the Word. And that's what he's talking about. And if you get out of fellowship, he shows you how to get back in fellowship. And then once you get in fellowship, he tells you how to maintain fellowship so that your heart is in fellowship with the Father. And what's the objective? So that you can develop intimacy, so that you can develop a deep affection, so that you can develop faith, confidence, absolute trust in Him. Let's show you that. Secondly, a pur- first of all, it's a pur- purged heart. Purged by the blood of Jesus when you're born again from all sin. That's the initial act. Secondly, it's a cleansed heart because after you've been born again and you're purged from all sin, secondly, we realize that we can, even though we are saved, have defilement by entering back into sin. And because of this outward man of ours, many times we often do. But look at this, this here Scripture in verse 3 of chapter 1. That which we have seen and heard declare we unto you, that ye also may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. And these things write we unto you, that your joy... If you're not experiencing joy in your Christian life, it's because you're out of fellowship with the Father. And when you're out of fellowship with the Father, beloved, there is no joy. Oh, yes, you can go through the same emotions and you can go through, you know, you can lift your hands, you can come to church and you can even read your Bible, but there's not going to be any life behind it. You're not going to sense intimacy with Him because you've broken fellowship with Him. You see, your heart's not beating right with His. That's basically what fellowship is. You're on the same wavelength. You're thinking things out together, working things together in your own life. Fellowship with Him, communicating, worshiping Him in a place of intimacy with Him. And when that is broken, beloved, we can go through all the emotions. Some call it backslidden. Actually, it's it's one term. But what, what it's really called biblically is walking in darkness. You're not walking in the light. It could be because you've broken fellowship with your brother or sister. Harsh words were spoken or whatever. But look at the next verse. This then is the message which we have heard of Him that declare unto you that God is light and in Him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with Him we walk and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. If we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and... I love this and. You should love it also. Are you ready for it? You'll be blessed by it. Because blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. You want to see God? Only believe that your heart is purged, so it's purified. Only believe that when you confess your sin, it is cleansed. Look what he says. And the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanseth. A pure heart is also a cleansed heart. Cleanseth us from all sin. And he's talking about after you've been saved. He's not writing this to sinners. He's writing that to believers. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. The truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us. Many do not take heed to the advocate's ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. Advocate means intercessor, consoler. Consoler, rather. He's a consoler. He consoles us. He also intercedes for us. When we miss the mark, when we break fellowship, when we're out of tune, let's say, with Him, when we're not in harmony with the Father through Jesus and His precious blood, we're in darkness. And some don't even recognize that. 
But the reason why they can't pray, the reason why they can't praise, the reason why they lost their joy and they can't seem to contact the throne of God is because they've broken sweet fellowship. Somewhere along the line we've missed it. Maybe we didn't do what He asked us to do. Do you see that? It's so easy to break fellowship. That's why we need to be so sensitive to the Spirit of God. He's jealous over us. Did you know that? Loves you so much. See, He's saying here how to maintain that in our lives. Walk in the light as He is in the light. The blood of Jesus will cleanse us from all impurities of heart. And too often times we forget that. We, we don't realize that. But beloved, this advocate's ministry is like this. He knows you've missed the mark. So He intercedes for us. But then He consoles us in the fact that once we are brought back to a place of understanding that we've missed the mark, we ask for forgiveness and He consoles us, letting us know that we've been cleansed from that sin and we're now pure and clean before the Father once again. It's a pure, purged heart. It's a cleansed heart. So that even if we did miss the mark, glory to God, we're not left helpless. But now, however, He said in, in chapter 2, My little children, these things write I unto you, that you sin not. See, His intention is that we don't sin, that we cease from sin. But if any man sin, we have an advocate, the intercessor. He consoles us also, both parts. He lets us know that you're pure once again before the Father God. See, your heart is right again. And that's why John's writing this letter. As you read on through chapter 2, look at over there in verse 15. Love not the world. Why? Because you're sharing your love with, with, with the world when that love should be shared with the Father. He says, don't be an adulterer. Don't be an adulteress. But I love to do this. But don't let that love override your love for God. Don't let that desire, although it may be a good desire, but don't let it become an unhealthy, uncontrollable desire in your life. It'll take something out of you concerning the things of God. Do you see that? It will affect your life of faith. And you'll be trying to live a life of faith from the realm of the suke. That's where so many miss it, beloved. Faith is out of the heart, not out of the head. It's got to come from the innermost being, the spirit of the man. And if our heart is longing for that in that direction, and faith wants this over here, it just doesn't work. The world has an expression for that. You can't... Have your cake and eat it too. You desire this way away from God toward the world, but yet you want to use faith. See, that's not the program of God. He said, seek my kingdom. Those things will be added unto you. Seek me. He's a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. Don't love the world. Love Him. The things that are in the world, if, if any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but of the world. The world passes away, the lust thereof. But he that abides... Did you notice that? The lust that people have for the things of the world one day will die and pass away. That lust will no longer be there. That motivating force of lust within their heart will no longer be there. You won't desire all that. You won't desire the things of the flesh any longer. They won't be so strong. Beloved, if we could just experience for a moment just being released from this body and all of its lustful desires, then you'd begin to desire toward God like you've never desired toward God ever before in your life. I know you, we, look at, we view things once again through, 
through dark glasses, sometimes religious glasses, sometimes with glasses of the flesh, sense knowledge ruled. And we think we're having a big time in God, but beloved, God is so much bigger. I mean, He is so much bigger than what we've ever experienced in this place up to this point. That's why you keep on saying, we're going to get out. Why do you keep on saying that? Because, beloved, I believe that God is so big, He wants us to rise up to a place in Him that He becomes bigger and bigger in our lives every day. Every time we come in together in assembly, every time we meet, every time we walk through those doors, we're inspired to go further in God, to get a hold more of God, get so on fire for God, till you're filled with the Holy Ghost and fire. And that's the third one. The pure heart, the purified heart is a filled heart. A heart filled with the Holy Ghost and fire, filled with God. But I'm getting ahead of myself. Look at chapter 3. Chapter 3, verse 3. Every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself. Glory to God. How does he do it? You pray in tongues a lot. Oh, glory to God. Keep the fire burning. Stir up the gift that's in you. Purge out. And then you read that whole chapter 3. He's talking about a love for man and a love for God. And he goes on to talk about how you're delivered out of darkness. You're brought into the light. You have love inside your heart. Verse 17, Whosoever hath this world's gifts, goods and sees his brother have and each shuts up his bowels of compassion. How dwells the love of God in him? Little children, let's not love in word, tongue, but in deed and truth. Hereby we know that we are of the truth. Now notice this, and shall persuade. Your heart needs persuasion. Did you know that? Did you know that? See, you say, I want to have great faith. Well, your heart needs assured. Your heart needs persuaded. How does our heart become persuaded toward God? See, it's not a matter of works, beloved, but the more you do in love, the more you live in the realm of love, the more you give in the realm of love, the more you pour out of your innermost being, you release yourself of selfishness. You are actually pouring out. How do you think He said you'll be purged? You give out of yourself. And as you give out of yourself, you are really getting rid of selfishness. You are purging yourself, purifying yourself of all selfishness. How? By giving even when you have a need. When you see somebody that has a need, even though you may have one, you give. Why? You want to purge. But I want that for myself. You give out of yourself. You give to purge yourself from all selfishness. I see that brother in need. I will give to that brother's need. It assures your heart. See, your heart's going to either be assured toward God or condemned. Look at the next part. Here in verse 20. For if our heart condemn us, why would it condemn us? Because you see, by not acting in love, by not acting on the Word, we're not purifying ourselves and our heart becomes defiled. Consequently, there's condemnation. Not Listen, there's conviction from within is what he's saying. I, I, I'm convicted of doing wrong. See? I should have done that. I should have given to that person. But that's okay. I just, I'll just i do it next time. Wait a minute. It's easy to say. But every time we miss the mark, beloved, something is taken out of us. Do you know that? I mean it. God Word. The more you do it, the more faith grows. The less you do it, the less. See, something of faith comes out. Something is broken in there. Just like a love relationship between a man and his wife, like I said. Every time you start missing, you know, fooling around and doing wrong things, you tear down instead of build up. So you see, he wants our hearts persuaded. 
by walking in this realm of love. Beloved, in verse... But look at the latter part of verse 20. I love the Scripture. But God is greater than our heart and He knows all things. That means no matter what state, if you'll just come back to the blood of Jesus, if you'll just have sincerity of heart toward Him, He'll change the condition of your heart. Do you see that? He'll bring you back to that place. If our heart condemn us not, then have we what? Confidence toward God. That's faith in God. Absolute faith so that whatever we ask, we receive of Him because... You see what He's talking about? Whatever my wife asks, she receives. Whatever I ask, I receive. If I have a genuine need and I say, Honey, I really need this, she's got it. Forget it. She'll do it. If she says, Honey, I really need this, she's got it. Because we've developed such confidence in one another. Do you see that? I don't have to beg her to do that. She doesn't have to beg me to do that. Faith is a simple thing then, isn't it? And that's why, beloved, faith works by love. When you develop this with Him, that's the secret to strong and great faith. But thirdly, faith, or, or, or a pure heart, a purified heart, a pure heart before God is a filled heart. I want you to see something here in chapter 12 of Matthew's Gospel. And we'll close it right here with this last thought. Matthew chapter 12. I want you to know something, beloved. Even though you've been cleansed by the blood of Jesus, purged from all sin... I want you to know that you're still not complete and your heart still needs dealt with. If you want to be right before God and develop intimacy with Him, here's something that we need so bad. Verse 43, When the unclean spirit is gone out of a man, he walketh in dry places and seeking rest and finds none. Then he saith, I will return into my house from whence I came out. When he is come, he findeth it empty, swept, and garnished. Then goeth he and taketh with himself seven other spirits more wicked than himself. And they enter in and dwell there. And the last state of the man, that man is worse than the first. Even so shall it be also under this wicked generation. I want you to notice that when anything unclean that unclean spirit's gone out, coming back. And when it comes back, if it finds that that house is still empty, that that dwelling place, that that temple is still empty, although swept and garnished, what's he saying? Even though you've, got, you've received forgiveness for that sin, even though you've been purged and cleansed, unclean, clean, you see that? You still need something more. You say, what do I need more? You want something to prevent that from happening again. And what he's saying is this. He wants that dwelling place filled. He wants that t- temple, that house filled. He wants us filled with the Holy Ghost and with fire to keep us in a state of being maintaining our purging, our cleansing, so that we can stay in a place of purity before God, holy before God. And there are so many, beloved, that do not, they don't even acknowledge the infilling of the Holy Ghost. Jesus said He wants us to hunger and thirst. Yes, you can get forgiveness for your sin. And that uncleanness 
will be washed away. But beloved, we don't want to stay there because the devil doesn't stay there. The flesh is going to come back on you. The world's going to pour itself out at all of us. If we stay in that state, we're going to fall again. If we stay in that state, we're going to fall again. But he says, I want you now to be filled with the Holy Ghost and fire. You say, I already am. Then he's got something else for you. I want you to be being filled with the Holy Ghost and with fire. Be being filled. Maintain that level, that high level of being filled with the Spirit. He wants us to hunger and thirst after righteousness so that we would be what? Filled. A heart hunger after righteousness. Well, then what did he say over there in John 7? If any man thirst, let him come to me and let him drink. As the Scripture said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. Look at Acts chapter 1 real quick and we'll... I think we'll finish it right here. Acts chapter 1. In verse 4, And being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, Ye have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, you shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. Verse 8, But you shall receive power. After that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. You shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and Judea, Samaria, the uttermost part of the earth. Acts 2. When the day of, verse 1, Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. Suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind. It filled all the house where they were sitting, and there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire. It sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. They were filled. The temple was filled. They were born again. They were cleansed, but the temple was filled. They were filled with the Holy Ghost. They were filled with the purging fire of the Spirit. They were so full of God, there was an outflow of that power, an outflow of that virtue, an outflow of that glory that was inside them, that holiness, an outflow of compassion, an outflow of love, an outflow of faith, an outflow of the fullness of God. God wants us to maintain a place of being filled with all the fullness of God in such a way, beloved, that we are just overflowing with God, God overflowing us, every pore, every part of our being, God's life being, you know, emanating itself right on through us, that's being filled with faith. That's being filled with compassion, being filled with love, being filled with power, being filled with wisdom, and being filled with knowledge is being filled with God. So not only are we purged, not only are we cleansed, beloved, if we just stay right there, then that's it. We're just going to go back and forth, back and forth with God. But if he, as He says, we maintain being filled with the Spirit. And then, what did Ephesians 5.18 say? Be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess. I've given this illustration so many times. One of these days it's going to sink in, it's going to hit home. How does a drunk get drunk? By drinking. How does a drunk stay drunk? By continuing his drinking. Jesus said, any man thirst, let him what? Let him what? Well, then he didn't, he didn't say stop there. He revealed to us in Ephesians 5.18, Be not drunk with wine where is an excess, but be being filled with... See, that is continual. A continuing thing in the life of the believer. Be being filled. I'll tell you what, we should start... You, we had, if we did this every night, if we had these praises come up here and worship like that every night, if we started just... Oh, I'll tell you what, we just get so full of God 
I mean, that's sometimes, you know, why we need revival just like, every, come on for a week and just every single night. Just come together for a week every night and just keep on drinking and drinking and drinking. You see, that's why some say, well, how come the, the latter part of the seminar was a whole lot better than the first? How come it seemed to be more anointed way at, at Saturday night when it started on Monday? Well, we may start slow, but by the time Saturday night rolls around, look out. Because if you're getting into the things of God and if you're getting filled with all the fullness of God, you know, drunk don't start out drunk. He starts out sober. Takes a little while. Give it some time. He'll get there. Well, beloved, that's what he's saying to you and that's what he's saying to me. There's no substitute for just continual drinking to maintain that in your life. Just keep on. How? By speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, making melody in your heart unto the Lord. And the more you do it, the more you drink, the drunker you get. Amen? And you'll find out that most times when you miss the mark is when you're not filled with all the fullness of God because you haven't been drinking. But blessed be the name of the Lord if you'll just maintain that. I'll tell you, Saturday night, look out by the time. If we started tonight, just the way it is right now, and just went Monday night. Can you imagine telling people, where are you going? Going to church tonight, we're going to have a drink. <laughs> Jesus said, come and let them drink. Probably get a lot to follow you. I'll t- I guarantee you by the time Saturday night rolls around, look out. Filled with God. Drunk in the Spirit. Let's all stand before the Lord. Thank you for listening to our legacy teachings. We pray today's message has a profound impact upon your life and your ministry. I want you to know that God loves you, has a great plan for your life. But if you've never made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, I'd like to invite you to do that right now. Just pray this simple prayer right after me. Just say, Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart now. I receive you and accept you as my personal Savior and Lord. If you prayed that prayer with me, You're a child of God right now, and I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.